This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, FTC versus Amazon, Cushing crushed, and another MCX TCS delay. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 214. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, The Unique Guide to the Bourse Business, sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. We also, of course, publish BitCarnage, our guide on Substack, to just the world of market structure as it has been created for the crypto digital asset world. This week, we were looking again at total lawfare. We know SBF is in court as we record, but we're not going to rush to judgment, albeit in BitCarnage on Substack and in Exchange Invest. We are covering his trial while giving ourselves a little time to consider what is happening, as is our want. At the same time, what a day Tuesday the 3rd of October was. SBF, Hunter Biden and Donald Trump, all in the US courts, admittedly not the same US courtroom, at the same time. One thing which has been clear from an early review by folks in the know is that Michael Lewis may have an issue insofar as he appears to have been the last high-profile victim of the SBF cult before the curly-haired one stood trial. As one Yahoo Finance column headline noted, In Michael Lewis, Sam Bankman-Fried found his last and most willing victim. Then there was the steady drip, 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 drip of news about FTX's excesses. One being, the headline from Business Insider explains, FTX paid Tom Brady $55 million for 20 hours of work over three years. In the sting in the tail department... Last week saw Silk Road founder Ross Ulbricht mark 10 years into his double life sentence in prison. SBF may be assured of his innocence in his own mind, but will the US judicial system agree? If you enjoyed this excerpt, you may be interested to know that you can read BitCarnage every day in Exchange Invest. Alternatively, if you want to follow just BitCarnage, the daily update on happenings in the world of crypto and digital assets, you can find us as a standalone BitCarnage on Substack. Back in the legacy world of exchanges this week, the FTC have sued Amazon for illegally maintaining monopoly power. While her early bouts have mostly involved bruising defeats, the Lena Khan era FTC is now at a point where methinks a considered attack on Amazon could draw a great deal of remediation from the mega platform of e-commerce. That has ramifications for the parish and requires a lot of consideration on the part of legacy bourses. It's not a regulated exchange, of course, but there is a lot to unpack here. Lena Khan has lost everything pretty much in her tenure to date, but this looks a lot more structured. Equally, what parishioners need to peruse is anything where Amazon may lose against the FTC, which might pique the attention of SEC, CFTC, to apply to markets and market operators. There is a lot in Amazon which is anything but administering a fair and equal playing field. 
That makes me think Lacan will win more than she loses on this one, but the parish would be well advised to brainstorm issues that may arise from this complaint. Naturally, your host of this podcast, PLY, is available if you need further assistance, input or workshop moderation on the topic. Great comment by Nasdaq CEO Adina Friedman this week. She was being interviewed and they were, of course, as always, asking her when she was on the goggle box all about AI. As she pointed out very succinctly, Nasdaq use AI algorithms to root out criminal behaviours and have done with excellent effect for many years through their trade surveillance systems. News from the LME. The LME Clearing House, they've cut the size of their minimum default fund for the second time in 30 days. That's gone from $1.012 billion at the last cut. It will drop to $1.031 billion from October the 2nd. Over in Texas, they've got their eye on a big prize, and the big prize, it would seem, is CME Group, amongst other businesses. Governor Greg Abbott, would that not be the height of irony if the world's one-time largest hydrocarbon exchange were to arrive in a new Texas HQ in a position where it can more comfortably advocate even the UK's crazed green belligerence of net zero? At the same time, the streetwise professor, Prof Perong, puts it very, very succinctly, he, of course, being a good... Professor in the great state of Texas, come on down, reads the headline in his blog, and will the last business in Chicago turn off the lights? Prof Streetwise, who is of course an IPOVID alumni, you can catch him from IPOVID 93. Craig Perong, the Streetwise professor, speaks, tells it like it is in the week. Everyday futures options folk got the chance to don their best carbon fibre body armour and head downtown to Chicago Expo for the FIA conference. PLY opted on the grounds of personal safety not to attend. Now, there is, of course, something behind this all, which is that old interesting point about Cushing. Reuters had a fascinating story this week when it comes to Midland versus Cushing versus, well, just what is the world's greatest oil benchmark? Cushing Oil Hub's low levels spur quality operational price worries, went that Reuters headline. Long, long ago, we compared how Houston had all the storage and enabled an infinity of barges to fill up across a wealth of piers. Seems like a long time since Cushing was so packed it had one night where they probably tried to leave some DSW in the cooking oil vat behind the local Taco Bell KFC or some such like. The hedging, however, seems to be moving on, and that's surely the start of a cataclysm we have long expected for the CME's oil benchmark. Albeit, surely being a benchmark means the industry prefers you. Carl Larry, a sales director at Energy Consultants, Wood McKenzie, was quoted in that Reuters story. He notes, if you let the crude level drop too low, the crude can get sludgy and you can't get it out. What does come out, you won't be able to use. It does indeed look incredibly like the end of an era, albeit denial is a big beast in South Wacker, even if it might, of course, be not so much South Wacker as South Texas soon for the headquarters of CME Group. Ever since that epic failure of CME to keep up with oil trends was writ large by the Cushing crisis, the story has been one of when, not if, CME's Cushing WTI would be toppled as the global oil benchmark. In the OTC business, as we've discussed before, Houston was where the pricing was at even before the last mega banking crisis. Cushing was a kind of community rest stop compared to Houston for oil, apart from the CME's rather old-fashioned settlement affection for the place. It was there when they wrote the NYMEX contract at the height of Dallas TV show mania. Thus, CME Group these days, NYMEX as was then, maintain a quaint desire that Cushing is the US oil hub.
Indeed, as noted previously, in 1983, WTI with a central delivery point in Cushing, Oklahoma, was quite the thing. So too, in 1983, was Sweet Dreams by the Eurythmics. However, the world moved on and the Eurythmics split up. While it's all in the genre of light sweet, there's a vast chasm between what today is West Texas Intermediate and what is the WTI future on CME, which is such a sweet crude, it's like comparing Hershey bars at CME with Lint, the WTI Houston, which is of course the contract at ICE. Thus nowadays the market, apart from the folks of CME, are differentiating the Cushing stuff as DSW, domestic sweet with WTI really only being appended these days to that stuff that actually comes from West Texas, mostly around Midland, being a far superior oil for a range of purposes. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. In new markets this week, Memex, that's one of those industry organisations that are trying to build something that goes up against the people who are the for-profit exchanges. Their options exchange successfully launched. They became, I think, the two millionth US single stock options exchange. Uh, No, actually, it was, well, close enough. The 17th US single stock options venue. Meanwhile, also Vietnam's first voluntary carbon exchange was launched. Deal news this week. A couple of great deals are done. After successful completion, Deutsche Börse have initiated the usual squeeze-out at Simcorp and applied for delisting. Meanwhile, the MSCI, they've completed their acquisition of Burgess. If you're looking for some reading at this point in time, something perhaps to get you through the Halloween holidays, don't forget you can still pick up a copy of Victory or Death, Blockchain Cryptocurrency in the Fintech World, published by DV Books and written by yours truly, Patrick L. Young. Meanwhile, if you're waiting for that to arrive, which is being distributed worldwide by Ingram, while awaiting your copy of Victor or Death, why don't you check in out our live stream? Tuesday, 6 o'clock London time, 1 o'clock New York time, 7 o'clock CET, the IPO video live show. Catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube, searching via IPO-vid. Our last show, 119, was an epic, glowing global, the birth of the CFTC, with the absolutely mellifluously marvellous Andrea Corcoran, the woman who actually set up their Office of International Affairs and thus helped shape a great deal of the global derivatives market as we now know it. Coming this week on Tuesday, Day, 6 p.m. London time, we're going to have Rod Gravel at Blondin. Commodities markets on the road with Rod Blondin and his unique history of how he built the Safex agricultural contracts. Finance book of the week this week. Of course, don't forget you can get the heads up on our finance book of the week by subscribing to our free weekly weekend newsletter that you can get via exchangeinvest.com if you don't want to pay up for the whole of the exchange of information just yet which comes to your inbox monday to friday the weekend exchange invest always starts with our new book of the week this week it is Eamon Butler's himself a an alumni of IPO Vid. He was guest number 111. He's the co-founder and director of the Adam Smith Institute. And his book of the week is The Best Book on the Market. Markets are everywhere, but how many of us understand how they work and why? What does a free market really mean? Do free markets actually exist? Should we have more or less of them? Most of all, do we really need to know all of this? Answer, yes, we do. 
Get the book as soon as possible. Links on the website at exchangeinvest.com if you can't find it. Our next book of the week will, of course, be unveiled on Saturday in the EI Weekend Edition. Product news this week. Very, very unfortunate news. The Spikes Futures owner MIAX may have to shut down their VIX rival after their petition was denied. It's very disappointing news. MIAX and indeed the market as a whole must do whatever it takes to prevent this obscene monopoly play by SIBO. Elsewhere, the Singapore Exchange launched their first Ammonia Futures contracts and NASDAQ in Europe quite fascinating. Some very, very interesting custom forwards, custom basket forwards that they're calling them, have just been launched. A very, very nifty way to get yourself all sorts of exposure to the alpha you desire in the equity market. Technology news. Well, here we come back to one of our headlines of the day. SEBI have asked MCX to put on hold the launch of their new electronic TCS platform. Quite epic altogether. There's a law case brewing and that legal action is demanding that the 63 Moons system is run in parallel for one year with the new TCS system to ensure a smooth switchover. Given previously we saw a $30 million six-month renewal, does that mean that 63 Moons technology might make $60 million if this lawsuit succeeds? For the time being, they're still raking in the cash because SEBI is refusing to let MCX turn on their new system. In a happier digital note, ICE completed their first delivery of London Cocoa using fully electronic warehouse warrants. That was a remarkable contrast in a tale of two commodities this week. ICE Futures reminded us, as if we ever needed that, that digital transition is their bag. At the same point as, well, in Nairobi, Kenya, a more analogue system has resulted in a colossal bag problem. 100,000 coffee sacks have gone missing. Career paths this week. Uh, Hong Kong Exchanges appointed a group chief people officer. Ms. Sharon Cheng has joined HKEX. The BSE Bombay Stock Exchange, uh, their chief information security officer and chief of special projects has tendered their resignations. That was uh, Shiv Kumar Pandey, the chief information security officer and the chief of special projects being Nayon Meta. Deutsche Börse, meanwhile, they've started the search for their new CEO. That word came from this chairman. Let's hope it's somebody with a bit more of an international bent who can make Deutsche Börse great again. And finally this week, a great piece of career path news. Michael Minnelli, our dear old friend and IPOVID alumnus from IPOVID 25, the Sustainable City and Beyond, Professor Dr. Alderman Michael Minnelli, I don't think I quite got those in the right order, but never mind, my dear friend, has been elected as the 695th Lord Mayor of the City of London. Going to be a spectacular year in the square mile, and I'm sure Michael is going to be an absolutely marvellous Lord Mayor. Meanwhile, something which I'm sure the Lord Mayor won't be concerning himself with, but a remarkable statistic for a nation where crime is not quite unheard of, but traditionally is very much a tiny minority, pursuit. The leap to 30% of Japanese supermarket checkouts being automated in 2022, partly to minimise P2P contact during COVID, has coincided with an up to 30% increase in shoplifting. No statistics yet on whether the light-fingered shoppers of Japan are including 
Fukushima-sourced fish amongst their pilfered goods. But of course, then again, when you think about the West in the UK, where shoplifting has always been much more common, apparently they've added security guards in a wave behind the tills, akin to the only Home Depot I ever visited in the USA, where indeed there was no one to help you at the checkout, but there were plenty of people to examine your bags when you tried to take anything out the door. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, creator of Markets the World Over. I wish you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.